Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right. Well, good morning, Thrive. So excited to be back. It has been a few weeks and can we just do this real fast? Can we just thank the staff here and the team at Thrive that makes every Sunday happen? Shout out to Pastor Maribel, Pastor Ben here, Matt, Pastor Jason, Pastor Louise, Pastor Juan, um, and, and I'm missing a bunch of others on the team, but I'm just so grateful for you. Um, just so you know, everything is going well. We have a little bit of a different Father's Day in my house since we had our little baby girl three weeks ago. Uh, she came early. Yeah, she wanted to make a statement, and she's, she's a little feisty already, so pray for me. I don't know what I'm doing really, but you know, we're just going to go for it. And uh, Vanessa's recovering really well and everything's going really good. And then Pastor Ben also had his baby. So Pastor Ben came back last week. And so welcome back, Pastor Ben. And I am so excited to go ahead and continue this series called Your Story Matters. Uh, We've been doing it every Sunday. Pastor Matt and Pastor Eric have already shared their story for the last few weeks. Uh, I know we've been doing stories in small groups as well. And so today, I have the incredible privilege. We're going to do it a little different. We're going to do interview style uh, to interview and have Pastor Ben share. And so Pastor Ben is our creative pastor here at Thrive. And he's been here at Thrive for nine, almost 10 years now. He's here longer than I have been. And uh, has been on staff for the last three to four years. And uh, just so uh, excited to have you. First service was amazing. And so I can't wait for people to hear your story. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Pastor Ben. We're just going to jump right into it. Who you are, um, your family, what you kind of do here at Thrive. Go ahead. So I'm 27. Uh, I'm pretty old. Um, (laughs) So I have two kids, father of two. Go ahead and put that picture up. Show my adorable kids. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. They look like me, right? (laughs) No, they look like their mom. They act like their mom too. Maybe my son acts like me a little bit. Um, But the girl is Sayla. That is my daughter. Um, she's two years old. She is a little fireball. Again, has the attitude of her mom, um, but loves like me. Uh, she's a wild child, man. If you ever get to know her, ever see her, she's just running around. And uh, my next one is my son. Uh, he's about seven weeks old. And my wife's watching online. So if I got that wrong, babe, I'm sorry. Um, it's seven or eight weeks. Malachi, uh, he's, he's just a ball of fun. Uh, all he does is sleep eat, sleep, eat, and poop. So I mean, you know, it's kid stuff, I guess, right? Um, so yeah, those are my kids. Uh, my wife, I am married. Praise God. Yes, I'm married. Yep. Um, her name is Megan. She's one of the admins here. Uh, she walks around curly hair, uh, probably carrying a car seat or something. Uh, but that is my wife. And so I'm the creative pastor here. I have been here, Pastor Chris said, uh, nine years, nine, ten years, a creative pastor here. Um, Pretty much my job really is to design things, uh, graphics, videos, uh, the recap videos you guys see, manage social media, um, preaching clips that you guys see on Facebook or or Instagram, um, and then also online. I help host online and kind of help direct that, really. And, and one of the reasons why I'm really excited to have Pastor Ben share this week is his role is uh, really behind the scenes in a lot of ways. And so I wanted our body to kind of meet, not just because you, you normally see me or Pastor Eric has been preaching a lot this year. And, and normally the lead pastor is the one who preaches the most. But I wanted our church to know who their pastors were. 
during this series. I really felt like we needed to grow deeper. And sometimes you don't get to meet or see everybody. And so Pastor Ben, really grateful for you. And um, that's a lot of the tasks you do. But, but I really feel like Pastor Ben is really instrumental to what we do here at Thrive. Um, he makes us look good. You ever have like that one person at a party who takes a picture of you and posts it on Facebook and they've got like your double chin and everything like that? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like when you get tagged in a photo versus when you post a photo, it's like night and day. Pastor Ben's team sometimes gets me with the double chin and I get all mad at them for like that, but that's okay. Um, but, but Pastor Ben and his team are the ones who really kind of... Uh, are really the first impression to people who come to Thrive. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but most of the time, the first impression for people that come to church are normally you, which is kind of scary, so make sure you love Jesus. And the second is they go to our website, or they go online, or they visit us on Instagram or Facebook, or they watch a YouTube, or they watch us on YouTube, one of our services. And, and that's really Pastor Ben and his team. And even specifically when, when we did COVID, or when, when, we had, when we did COVID, none of us choose, chose to do COVID. <laughs> Let me correct my, my language. Uh, when we went through and survived COVID, right? Like when we went through COVID, um, we launched like an online church in like two weeks because we weren't ready. We, we didn't know that was going to happen. And Pastor Ben was really strategic along with a couple other people on the team with spearheading that online church. So I don't believe we would be here where we're at today without you, Pastor Ben. And so I thank you for all that you do. Seriously, I believe families and lives have been transformed because of the work you do. And I'm um, just so grateful to have you on the team. And so we're just going to jump into it. Um, what we're going to do is just, I want to I hear your story, man. I want them to hear your story. Powerful story. And so let's just start off. Can you just talk a little bit about your life before Jesus? A little bit about uh, growing up, uh, what you went through in your life, and, and kind of before church, before Jesus, before all this. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing I really like to share um, about my testimony actually is uh, I was actually, I passed away at birth. Um, so I, beginning of time, the hospital passed away. Um, so I, even in perspective now, I always see it as, wow, the enemy always had a plan on my life. Uh, my mom had to keep me in an incubator in the hospital. I think that's what it's called. Um, but had to keep me in an incubator in the hospital, go visit me, um, kind of help, you know, live. And so always thought something was, was, was kind of going against my life. And um, so I grew up Catholic, uh, very religious, did the catechism. I got the little pose, if anybody's Catholic, where you're like this, on your knees. Yeah, I got one of I've those. I've seen the picture. It's great. Yeah, I got one of those. I looked the same. Um, I was still the same height. Um, <laughs> no, I wasn't the same height. Uh, I looked the same, uh, just a little bit, uh, I want to say chubbier, but a little bit chubbier. And um, I, I really grew up Catholic. So instantly, right, performance, um, self-effort, having to, having to uh, do certain things to get approval. And so growing up also as a son of a Marine, um, if any veterans are in the room, thank you so much for your service. Um, we appreciate you guys so much. Um, but grew up son of a Marine. Um, so there was a expectation um, I felt, right? I had to eat faster. Um, I, my, when, I, when me and my wife were dating, uh, when she was my girlfriend, uh, she actually, we would go out to eat and I would finish my food super fast and she'd still be barely starting her french fries. And so I would always like force her to eat faster. 
So it got better. She started eating faster. Um, I would always like, babe, you got to eat faster. We could go to war at any time. Because my dad, that's my dad tells me like, hey, you got to finish this food because you never know what can happen. Someone's going to barge through that door. So I kind of grew up with that mentality. Um, but so she eats faster now, right? Praise God. Thank you. Uh, so I grew up a uh, Marine kid. Uh, so I had this expectation, this goal that I felt I had to really, really go for. Um, and if I wasn't able to meet with them, like meet them, I always felt like a failure. Um, I was always a big kid. So being big, actually being big, I always felt so small internally. Um, so, right, you, you see me, I'm 6'8". I'm not, I'm not hard to miss. Um, so 6'8", I, I just internally when I was around people, I just felt small. I felt isolated. And so growing up with that, right, getting made fun of, big, um, saying things, I go to Catholic church up and down. Exercise was not the thing for me. Um, going to knees, get up, say a prayer, that thing. I just wasn't down with it. And so, um, <laughs> thank it. you. Everybody's Catholic knows, like, yeah, I know right. I was there. Right, all the um, old Catholics are like, yeah, yeah for sure. And so, um, grew up like that. And then probably around uh, fifth grade, really, um, I really started to understand and see what I was dealing with. My perception of my parents was off. Um, I wasn't able to receive their love because of my wounds, things I've been through, um, the expectations and the failures I felt I had to live up to. And so I was isolating because I was like, I don't even want to deal with the reality of me possibly even having to uh, come to this moment where it's like, I'm going to be told I'm a failure. And so my perception of their love was completely off. And so fifth grade, I was isolated. So I started getting into drugs. Um, at the age of, wow, what grade are you in? What age are you? Fifth, probably like an eight, eight or nine. And so I'm dealing with this um, numbness that I'm feeling. And so when I would smoke, I would just feel, wow, it's all, it's just, it's just making me feel more numb. So it gave me a reason to be isolated. It gave me this reason to be validated in, in what I was feeling, where my reality was real as opposed to, in my head, the, well, the reality I was facing was not what I was really seeing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so fifth grade really dealt with that. Um, fast forward probably from the age of 12 to 13, uh, so around eighth grade, I started struggling with a lot of depression um, because of how I looked. I was very insecure, uh, not confident at all, um, really, really didn't want to be by anybody, um, I thought I wasn't going to get married. I thought I wasn't going to have kids. I really isolated myself. And so I just grew deeper into the drugs. I grew deeper into what I was doing to, to continue that isolation, to continue that feeling. And so I started with, uh, really depressed. Uh, going in from eighth grade to freshman year. And can I, can I say something yeah. just real quick, Pastor Ben? Um, I, I think that's so important for us to catch because I think in culture, we're a little numb to it. But what you're saying is as, as a fifth grader, fourth, fifth grade, you're introduced to like weed. You, you, and you would say you became like almost a full on addict and, and, and then start doing pills as a middle schooler. And, and I just, I just want to highlight that. And I know there's some kids in the room and it's like, we don't want to talk about that. Let's skip that part. But no, it's important because, um, that's like what we're dealing with today. And, and, and there's some of you that can relate to that story. Um, when you were, you were that age, when you're introduced to alcohol or drugs or whatever, and, and some of you have battled through that for generations and years, 20, 30 years, and you didn't even realize it because you, it happened as a kid. And why I want to highlight it is because that's why we, I believe, aggressively reach young people here at this church. 
And, and that's why we, we do middle school and high school together. For some parents that were like, why do they do middle school and high school together? Because to be honest, that's what they're getting exposed to. Yeah. They're getting exposed to all this craziness out there. And, and, and we don't want to hide anything. We want them to experience Jesus. We want them to find freedom. We want them to know who the love of God, what love is and what, what the love of God is. And, and Pastor Ben also helps as our assistant youth pastor with Pastor Matt. And they're doing a, an incredible job. And, and I'm seeing it where you would think it's like kids in high school getting healed from addiction. No, no, family. Like, we're getting fifth and sixth graders weeping on the altar on Wednesday nights because God is healing things and breaking things off their life. And I, I, just, I just love that. I love that it doesn't matter how broken or messed up or how young you were. Like, Jesus doesn't care. Like, he can still step in and do what he wants to do in someone's life. Absolutely. And so, go ahead, continue. You said eighth yeah. grade. I want you to follow it through. Yeah. So, he hit to it, got into pills. Um, everything that can make me feel numb, I did. Um, so then going from eight to, to freshman year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get out of this isolation. I'm going to try to become someone uh, known on campus. My sister was a senior when I was going into freshman year. Um, so she, um, my parents are watching online, but she would throw parties when they were gone. Um, so, they, yeah. And so I was... comes out, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so uh, she would throw parties when they were gone. Uh, again, she was senior. Juniors would be over. Seniors over. All going to the same high school. And so I was like, you know what? I can make myself known right now. I can make myself known to these people. And then, so I'm just going to join in what they're doing. So eighth to freshman year, I'm smoking. I'm giving them weed. I am drinking with them. And so I'm like a cool kid. Like, oh, wow, this is a cool little eighth grader. He's coming in freshman year. And so freshman year, come in. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make my name. So I start carrying myself. I thought I was confident. I was not. Still really insecure. And so I was really just doing the same thing I was doing in eighth grade, but with a name now. But I still felt unseen, right, in a group of people in a high school. Yeah, there's a lot of people. You're known. People know me. But I still felt like nobody knows me. And so I felt isolated still in that moment, probably up until about sophomore year. Yeah. And, and I think that that's such a, we didn't really talk about this first service, but that's such a key thing, especially COVID really highlighted this, yeah. that we live in a, in, in, a, in a culture now where you can have a million friends on Facebook and hundreds of thousands of followers and still feel isolated and lonely and to, to feel like no one cares and no one loves you. And even though people do love you, see, that's the crazy thing, right? Like, I know you said this first, like your parents, you had amazing parents yeah. and they did love you and they cared for you, but it's still that feeling. Yeah. It's that, it's that hole on the inside. And so what do we start doing? We start grasping toward everything we can and, and everyone has a different thing they grasp yeah. toward, but nothing will satisfy. Yeah. I've learned this in my life and you as well. Nothing will satisfy other than Jesus. It's true. It really is true. And he's the only one that can kind of heal that heart. And so let's talk about it. So sophomore year, lonely, struggling with addiction. You don't know what's going on. You're feeling isolated. You're feeling lost. And then sophomore year, yeah. when does Jesus step in the picture? Yeah, Come on. so um, I had just gotten off an injury of sports, um, blew my meniscus in both knees. Um, and so I just got off an injury of sports. And it was probably summer time going from that freshman to sophomore year. And I had a friend, really close friend, lived around the corner for me, um, brought me, like invited me to church. And at this time I was like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. I did the Catholic thing. I was, know all about this. God the Father, nah, 
Jesus the Son, nah, Holy Spirit, no. And so I was like, you know what, I'm not even going to like really pay attention to it. And so because my perception was off, I didn't want to go because of the perception that I had. I didn't want to deal with a dad that I thought didn't love me. I deal with this, this wound because I was like, I'm probably going to face reality. They're going to talk about like, like stuff. And so I don't know where I said, yeah, I'll go. Um, <laughs> so complete opposite of what I wanted. And so I said, yeah, I'll go. Ended up going. I thought, you know, coming in, insecure kid, I'm probably going to get some numbers. Um, probably going to try to get a girl's number, you know, and I wasn't. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm not, I wasn't that secure. And so went in, um, and I'm sitting in, the, in like the third row on the left side of the building. And during worship, I'm standing out. I'm still 6'8", and like everybody's still Pastor Chris's height. And so <laughs> we're like standing up. We've, I'm been, like, wow, the, we've guy's... been like the same height since we I know. Were, yeah. I was like, wow, that guy's tall. He looks like a thumb. And he's <laughs> And so anyways, so we're there. I'm super tall. People probably point me out. Pastor Chris looks the same. And then uh, I'm like sitting. They're singing, you won't relent, talking about like, come be the fire inside of me. And I'm like, I don't want that in me. I don't want to burn. What are you talking about? And so I'm like. And, and real quick, anybody can relate to that. Like you first go to church. You didn't grow up in church. They're singing about like lions and lambs and fire and water. And you're like, what are we doing right now? Yeah, like, yeah. this is so weird. Why is this person raising their hands? Why are they pacing back and forth? That person just fell. If you went to like Holy Ghost <laughs> Church. Yeah, no, real talk. Real talk, right? Yeah. And you're just like, what is happening? Yeah. But that's cool. I can vibe with it, I guess, right? Yeah, like, I felt like I was watching a reality show or something. And so I was like, <laughs> wow, everybody's like crying. But I knew there was something different. I knew there was purpose. I knew these people had purpose. Wow. I knew these people around me, they, they were something they were living for. And so I was like, oh, I kind of like that. Like, this is nice. And so sit down, message happens. I don't even remember a word of the, what the guy was saying. Um, and they're preaching. I think it was something about like evangelism going out. And I was like, okay. And then they do an altar call. And I remember standing up and I just start to weep. Like I start to cry extremely hard. And I'm like crying and crying and crying. I'm getting all hot. Most of us probably know that, right? You get hot when you, you cry. Well, I do. Uh, anyways, I get hot. So I'm crying, boogers everywhere. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna stand here. And my friend comes up to me. He's like, hey, you wanna go up? And I was like, yeah. I don't know why I said yes. I do now. But I said yes, walked out. Obviously, I felt like people were like trying to snipe me, like that guy's going to get saved. And so, <laughs> yeah, like imagine what he can do for the kingdom. He's 6'8". And so <laughs> like, I'm over here. I'm, I'm coming down. And I'm like crying as I'm coming down, ugly crying everything. And so um, I remember coming up, and Pastor Chris at the time actually was the one who prayed for me. And he came up to me, and again, still same height. Pastor Chris, still the same height. Uh, we'll show you, actually. So stand up. And it's like, like this. He's probably a little bit shorter now at this time. And bit. I'm still tall. Right. And so uh, he's, he comes up to me, lays his hand on my, uh, on my heart, and begins just to pray. And I'm, like, crying even more. I'm, I'm like, drenching this guy. And, like, he probably took a shower with my tears. And I'm just, like, feeling love and warmth and, and something over me that I couldn't explain. I couldn't put into words. And it's just, like, washing me, washing me, washing me. 
And, and he's like praying, you know, I got people speaking in tongues around me and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like shaka bobbing in the corner and I'm like rocking back and forth and this guy's yelling at my heart and I'm like crying on his boogers. I, I, have, I have been intense yeah. since I was like first saved. Yeah. Like he probably even worse. And I just remember getting baptized by his tears, right? Like, yeah. like he had so, he was crying so bad. My hair was all messed up. Yeah, I my, looked up, yeah. they're falling on my face. Like, crazy moment. Like you ever just see that a moment or you've had that moment where God just like messes you up. Like that's what's happening yeah. with Pastor Ben as a 15 year old. I, I think I'm yeah. well, 14 years old and I'm like 16. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm giving him a new hairdo with my mocos and cleaning at the same time with my tears. And so he's like crying. <laughs> he's crying. He's, he was crying a little bit. I was crying. We were all crying. And um, I, I just remember from that day, nothing was the same. Come on. And, and if I could be honest, come on, let's just, that, that, that's incredible. That's what Jesus can do. I don't even know what I told you. You said I was praying for love. I don't even remember. That, that sounds about right. Because just so you know, if you ever come up to me and say, Pastor Chris, that was so good, that like word that you gave or you prayed for me, I'd be like, oh, cool. I don't remember. Because <laughs> I just feel like that was Jesus just speaking, hopefully. If it was good, it was Jesus. If it wasn't good, then I don't know what it was. So, um, But no, I, I seriously, just to speak into that, because we've known each other now for about 13 years. Yeah. yeah. And um, one, of my, one of my closest friends, I said in the video, like a, like a spiritual son to me, yeah. we've gone through, we've gone to different states together, preached to thousands of people and rolled together. And um, that moment is one of like my favorite moments of my life, being there when Jesus encountered you for the first time and being able to be as close as we've been. It's been really special for me. And so love you so much for that. And so let's jump into this. If, if you were to connect kind of a passage to your story, um, and, and I love that you're going to share in a minute that your story continues. There was more after you got yeah. saved, which I think is so true that it doesn't just stop when we get we accept Jesus. Um, what, what, what would be that passage and kind of tie that into what kind of happened yeah. after you got saved? Yeah. So um, from the age of zero to 15, when I got saved, you have to remember my perception was off. How I was viewing love and how I was viewing things was off for so long. Yeah. 15 years of my life, it was off because of my wounds and my hurt and my pain. And so how I received love was different. How I gave love was different because of my perception. And so when I got saved, I was like, you know, there's this man love, that loves me, but because I had, um, my perception was off, it created wounds for my parents. I wasn't able to receive a love of a father. Like it was hard for me because I felt I had to work for it. I felt I had to, to do self-effort. And so reading, there's the scripture in Matthew 7 uh, where it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so this relates to me because I was the, the, the person knocking. I was the person who was, who was prophesying. I was going to prayer gatherings. Like I was with this guy. He just said it. I was with this guy all the time, speaking engagements. I was doing the thing, man. Like I was going for it as I seen. But when it came to my own personal Jesus knowing me and me knowing him, I didn't let him in. I was like, nope, I can, I can work for this. I can do this because I, I felt I had to live this expectation. I felt I had to really fight for this. And so I was like, you know what? 
God, uh, we'll be close. We'll be homies for a little bit. Like, we, you can be my friend. Like, I'm cool with that. I had good friends. I understand that. Um, you can be everything else. I understand. But this one thing I can't receive, which is the Father heart of God. And this one thing I can't receive because of my perception, how I was off. I was validated in my own works and my own self-effort and my own, uh, I guess, my own righteousness, how I would call it, in trying to earn that love. And so... Um, 2015, I read this scripture, and I, I, obviously I read over it multiple times, but it begins to rock me. And, and God begins to speak to me. He's like, you know, I'm going to start showing you my love. I'm going to start letting you know me. I'm going to give you permission to know me. And so I was like, okay. And so, right, I, I meet this girl, my girlfriend. Uh, at that time, I had to court her because my pastors and spiritual fathers in my life were like, hey, it's just, it's better just to wait, just be patient, uh, pursue her. And so I understood the pursuit of God for us. I understood the pursuit of Jesus Christ for his bride. And so I was like, yeah, God, man, Jesus, you love me this much? Like, you want to pursue me that much? You want to put a ring on my finger? Like, if I could put a ring on it, man, like, he, he, he did. And so he was pursuing and pursuing. So I began to understand the pursuit and the love he had for that. And it wasn't probably till about 2018 when we got married. And then the next year we have a baby. We have a kid in 2018. And in 2019, uh, my daughter was born in December, and I'm working this hard job, working all the time, 60 plus hours a week, um, not seeing any time. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to quit my job because I'm like I need to provide for my family. Plus, you're helping here as well. Plus, like I'm helping you're, here. Yes. you're already a director by then, mm-hmm. and so that was a lot. I remember that yeah. was a crazy season. And so I was just feeling dead, and I'm like, there I go. I'm just gonna start working for things, man. How can I? How can I love Jesus if I don't have time for my family? How can I work? Because remember, my perception was work, work, work. How can I work for God's love if I don't have time for my family? And so I'm working, and then I get laid off. COVID hits. I get laid off. And so I'm watching my kid about six months later. And I remember I was, I, 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 I was letting her eat because kids got to eat. I was letting her eat. <laughs> and so uh, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, it's like those Gerber things. Like I know parents in here are like, oh, Gerber, yeah. It wasn't chicken. That thing's disgusting. But it was, it was like bananas. Hey, every parent's tried it, man. I'm just going to be <laughs> honest. I'm going to be vulnerable. Every parent's like, what does it taste like? Yep. It's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I'm like going to let her eat. And he's like, hey, just let her get herself dirty. Let, 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 her, let her just eat herself. And I'm like, oh, she's going to get dirty, Jesus. My wife's not here. I can't clean this up. And so I, I had like this thing. Real like, Father's Day moment yeah, right there. Yeah, really. Sure. And so I was like, okay, okay, yeah, I guess. And so first thing she does, literally after I say yes, she grabs the jar and just, and I'm like, oh, you did it, you did it. And so she's eating with her hands all over her face. I wish I had a picture, but all over her face. And I'm like, oh, she's super dirty. She's super dirty. And I'm like, I got to clean this. And I, I, I take her to the bathroom. I take her to the bathroom. I take her a bath. And as I'm taking my daughter a bath, the Lord begins to speak. And he says, son, I said, what? He said, this is how I wash you. This is the joy of the father washing their kid. And I'm washing my baby. And I'm washing all the dirt from her neck, all the dirt from like the food that's on her. I'm washing it. And I'm just crying, ugly crying again. And I'm just crying and crying. I'm like, Jesus, I don't understand. He said, yeah, I know. But let me just wash. Let me wash you. And he began to speak and show me that, that without her father, without the father, she would never be able to wash herself. Oh, come on. And it's the same way for Christ. 
The resurrection of Jesus was the washing of our sins. The resurrection of Jesus was the covering so we could then be clean and righteous. And so I began to learn about this father heart of this love that was unspeakable, this redemption, this, this, this broken 24-year-old at this time, 25-year-old that was still acting as an orphan even though he was proclaimed a son. And so I'm learning this love and this redemption and the Lord's washing and washing and washing. I'm crying, I'm remembering everything. My wounds are beginning to close. My perception's beginning to shift. And I'm able to see the love of a father through my daughter. The reality of God's fatherhood became real through that moment. And so I remember getting out and it was a few days later and the Lord said, hey, go to Matthew 17. It takes me to Matthew 17. And it's this verse, in the verse, Jesus comes down from the Mount Transfiguration. He comes into a crowd, and uh, there's a man that comes up to him. It says, and when the man, when, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him. It says, it says, so, eh, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And... This scripture really wrecked me because I understood this is what a dad is. This is a father. And he said, this is what you're called to be. This is who you're called to be, the father that takes the son or the daughter to me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so when you read seizures, um, it actually translates into a word that actually translates into a word named moonstruck in Greek. And moonstruck means the inability to act normal. And I, I, I began to pray this week for this message, this, this testimony, and I felt the Lord saying, if we can just learn that we bring our kids, our sons and daughters to him, there will be healing. Yeah. And I think that goes so much with, with what our message is for the year. It's not over just getting started. The prodigal's coming home. This is what it is. Us as fathers bringing our kids to the feet of Jesus because only Jesus can do it. I had great pastors. I had great spiritual fathers. I had great parents. I had great mentors. But this one thing that I needed to understand was that a dad can do something nobody else can. Yeah, and and I I think, man, that story is just so powerful, even the the story with Selah. Um, Because if we could be honest, and as Pastor Ben was even sharing with me this week, and I was like, starting to get choked up because I was like, wow, that's like what God's done in me too. Like God's washed me and cleansed me. Um, that, that Matthew 7 passage about knowing him, like depart from me because I don't know you. Um, he, what, he, what is he talking about? He's saying, look, you've done all these works. You've done all these accolades. You have all these, you, you've casted out demons and you prophesied and I'm all for it, right? We, well, I'm all for casting out demons and praying for the sick and healings and miracles. And, and we, do, we do powerful things here at Thrive. We really do. We believe that God's gonna do them. But what good is it to do all these works and yet we don't really know Jesus? Yeah. And the truth is, is the only way we're gonna know God is we also got to let God know us. You have to let him in. Like what Pastor Ben said, even when you don't want to, right? And, and, I, and we didn't really talk about this first service, but this is so true. What, what is kind of unhealthy sometimes for some of us, and I've done this, so I'm, I'm totally guilty of this, is we will try to work our way into love because working distracts us from the real root of the problem. Come on, especially for like some of the dads and, and, and even the moms in the house, right? We will work and work and work because if I can keep my mind off of the thing that's really killing me on the inside, then I can give the facade that everything's okay. 
And that's where Jesus, where he told the Pharisees, he called them whitewashed tombs. He said, you look good on the outside, but in the inside, you're like dead bones because there's no life in you because I'm the one who gives you life. And you got to let me go in there and you got to let me know you. You got to let me see you. You got to let me clean you. You got to let me wash you. And, and, And that's how we get to know God. See, the beautiful thing about getting to know God, it's not just on us. It's not just on us to be responsible for getting to know everything about him because that's impossible. He's God. He's like infinitely God. You will never know everything about him. That's cool because you shouldn't because he's God. If you know everything about God, you could probably manipulate him. That's what A.W. Tozer says. And so the cool thing about knowing that thing about knowing that word is about relationship. We talk about it a lot, but it's this idea that, wow, God wants to know me as well. And I just got to kind of be like a little kid, like Jesus says, come to me like little children. And he wants to wash me. He wants to clean me. And, and I, I love that picture of with Selah because Selah couldn't clean her. Selah, hadn't, she was six months. Yeah. You ever try to clean a six-month-year-old? It's the worst. Like you want their arm to go up and it goes down. You want them to turn left and they turn right. You put water in their face and they're all, you know, you know, you know the look. I give my daughters baths. That's like our thing, my daughter bath. That's like our thing we do. Like I'm the one that gives her a bath and it's like the worst. Like she's screaming and how many of you ever, right? And the Lord's like, guys, like I, I need to, I need to clean you. Not because you're sinning currently. Like Pastor Ben is not talking about he was sinning and sinning and sinning. No, but there were deep things in his heart that only God can do. Only God, only the blood of Jesus can wash away those things. Only the resurrection can give him the power to heal the wounds of his heart. And, 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 and God's like, okay, I want to do it. And, and right, how many got kids that they just fight every time they got to go to, to, get, to take a bath? And some of us, God's like, I'm tired of you running away when all I want to do is clean your heart. I, f- I didn't say that for service, but I feel like that's for someone in the room that God is not trying to judge you. He's trying to wash you. He's trying to wash you. He's trying to wash you from all the stuff of your past. He's trying to wash you from all the pain. And, and, and why do I know this? Because if God can do it in Pastor Ben, then God can do it in you. If God can do it in Pastor Ben's life and God can do it in my life and God can do it in so many people I know in this room. And for some of us, that might even even need to happen. And it doesn't matter how long we've been saved. Some of us, God wants to do something deep in us. Wants to show us we're sons and daughters. Wants to show us who we are in him. Wants to reveal to us how much he really, really loves us. There's a lot of people who I just... I've just met and it, it breaks my heart because they, and, and Pastor Ben, you know this, that they really feel like God doesn't love them. And if they only knew, they only knew that man, the love of God and what he would do for you and how he could heal you and set you free and, and break anything on your life that would keep you bound. And that in that same way, right? Matthew 17, this father brings a boy who's throwing himself in fire and water, who is hurting himself uncontrollably. The solution to the pain is not keeping him from fire and water. Come on. Because that's what we think. As long as we're not around it anymore. 
See, that's just dealing with the consequence, the external stuff. The solution to the problem was bringing this boy to a man named Jesus. And it was then and only then that this boy was healed and delivered. And that is the heart of the Father, that God would bring you to his Son. That the Father would lead you to the Son, Jesus. And that being with Jesus, understanding the gospel, letting God heal your heart. It doesn't matter if you've never accepted him or you accepted him like 20 years ago. Like, it's okay. God can still do what he wants to do in your life. And I believe that with all my heart, that, that today, that one, it was great to hear your story, Pastor Ben. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Ben. What an incredible story. But, but I'm going to be honest. I, you can kind of hear it. I'm kind of preaching now. Come on. Let's, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm preaching because, because it stirs my heart up to know that. And, and I know Pastor Ben knows this. He lived this. Like, we serve and worship and love a God who loves us way more than we love him. And that loves us so much that he'd be willing to die for us and rise again for us and send the Holy Spirit to live in us and to wash us and to wash us and to wash us. And some of you, you, you let's be real, you, you got a lot of dirt. That's okay. God's not scared of your dirt. God, God's not mad on how long it's going to take. God's not frustrated. God, God's like, just let me let me spend time with you. Let me get to know the real you. Let me wash you in the way that I'm going to wash you. And let me show you what I want to do in your life. I really believe that that's for someone here. And we're going to do this for the next few minutes. We're going to just let Holy Spirit move if that's okay. Is that cool with everyone in the room? I know it's Father's Day and you guys got plans or the guy, guys, you're already going to go barbecue. I know. But, but to be honest, Father's Day is not really Father's Day unless you let the Father do what he wants to do in your life. It's... it's it's a, it's, a, it's a cheesy American holiday with like root beer and barbecue. If you came to church today thinking that's all that you were going to do today, and I believe that for some of us, God would want to do some things in our heart. God would want to, in the way Pastor Ben said, show you the Father heart of God, show you that He loves you so much, and let Him just do some work in our lives today. So come on, let's stand to our feet, everyone in the room. And this is what we're going to do. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.